random encounter at a broadcasting facility. A shared interest and love of all things Marvel. Excelsior! A misinterpreted program title. And behold, a podcast is born. Peter Melnick. Podcaster and comic book enthusiast. And Eddie Wilson! Upstate New York radio announcer, still with an inordinate amount of catching up to do. Peter! What are you doing? Here we go with a new episode of The Marvelists. Hi, this is Danny Gonzalez, co-founder of Perception. Hi, this is Doug Appleton, chief creative director of Perception. This is Jeremy Lasky, co-founder of Perception. And you're You're listening listening to The Marvelists with Peter Melnick and Eddie Wilson. Welcome, everyone, to The Marvelists, the Marvel Universe podcast. I'm Peter Melnick. And I'm Eddie Wilson. And before we get into... Oh, wow, I just went into the old intro for a second. And joining us on the other end of the tin can and string, we are joined with three gentlemen involved with the wonderful production group Perception. Gentlemen, introduce yourselves. Line one, go first. Hi, this is Danny Gonzalez, co-founder of Perception. Hi, this is Doug Appleton, chief creative director of Perception. And this is Jeremy Lasky, co-founder of Perception. On line two, thank you. So first off, gentlemen, congratulations on the continued success. And I realize I just used an Eddie Wilson line of continued success. I, I like that expression. It's just, it, I'm okay with it's that. A, it's always nice. It's just, it's super, I am super, so nice. Super duper positive. Thank you. But anyway, congratulations on the continued success. Uh, when a few months back, uh, when I went to go see Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, the very first thing I saw as the credits were going through you know, in between me checking my phone if there was a post credit scene, was seeing, uh, well, I'm being honest, Eddie, but it's, I saw Perception Studios, and I'm like, oh, yeah, th- that's right. <laughs> so I sent over an email to uh, one of the people at Perception, literally just a, congratulations on everything so far. Like, that kicked ass. Good job. Really proud of you guys. And, yeah, uh, first off, that Doctor Strange one, what did you guys think of the movie in general? Uh, I really like the movie. It's, I mean, I've been a big fan of Sam Raimi since, uh, I'd love to say since the first Evil Dead, but I probably didn't watch uh, until uh, Army of Darkness or something. But I've been a, a huge fan ever since so just to see him come back into Marvel and still retain the Sam Raimi of it all was very, very exciting for me. Isn't it funny, by the way, so many people always say it, and I'm one of those as well. Army of Darkness was my Evil Dead introduction, and yet it's the third movie. Yeah. And then the second one is sort of like a remake of the first one, and I don't know. But I had a I had the box set that I think I like ordered from uh, from China or something because I couldn't get it any other way, and it was on VHS, and I just I loved that thing. Yeah, because like the uh, the trilogy, like two of the rights are like one company, and then Army of Darkness is straight up owned by Universal. So it's like, yeah, we can't you know have them go out and play together. They got to you know go on separate times. Yeah. But what really got me with watching uh, the end credits of Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness was that sense like it reminded me of a late 1970s early 1980s kind of mystical horror movie and just like you know the double imagery of you know the reflections of each character all that like I believe there was like a uh, smoke screen effect and something like that you know just like it was borderline like a Rorschach test a little bit too you know just seeing those visuals and it also reminded me and I know it was not intentional because it was probably was not the thought of it but the idea, it reminded me of 1978's uh, Doctor Strange, DR period, by the way, not Doctor. Don't, they can't spell it all out. But um, <laughs> Doctor Strange with the uh, the great Peter Hooten. 
And it reminded me of that as well. Like it was a uh, it was a multiversal movie, and I feel like that was the uh, it was such a small you know my head canon was that that's the Peter Hooten one. It's a reference to that that style. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that, that retro feel to it was definitely um, definitely intentional, right? Like you, I mean, you called it out with the somewhat kind of a double exposure feel to it with the the Rorschach test, which uh, you know, I I believe Jeremy, you can correct me if I'm wrong. That was all you. I think that Rorschach Jeremy came in one day and was like, guys, I got the idea, and then that <laughs> kind of spawned uh, the kind whole of thing. It was a last minute thought. We we had to uh, we had to build that sequence into sort of a record time. There's a is a longer story uh, of that, but in in the end, we we built that sequence probably quicker than any other title sequence we've ever done, and we set a new uh, Guinness record for it. Um, but yeah, we we really had to figure out what we could, what could we accomplish in the limited amount of time that we had to do it. Um, so we knew, firstly, that it couldn't be anything three dimensional, couldn't be any heavy CG or any particle effect or anything that we've done. With, a, with other title sequences that took the full amount of time that we, we usually have. It had to be something a little bit more uh, two-dimensional, a little bit more graphic. Um, and the idea of a Rorschach test is sort of uh, kind of a uh, representation of madness uh, just seemed appropriate. Um, you know, and the idea that you, everybody sees different things in these ink tests and, and it might be an opportunity to... Uh, to, to build in some really important and interesting imagery and symbolism from the film and some cool ways to show faces and, uh, and scenes that we had just seen in the film. Uh, there are so many really amazing visuals uh, that Sam Raimi created, uh, haunting visuals, um, that we really wanted to be able to call those back a bit. And this is a, a cool device to, uh, to try to do that. And not just uh, in regards to the element of uh, the you know the Rorschach test, but it makes perfect sense from a you know storytelling technique. You know, going back to the actual movie itself, you're seeing two versions of a character on screen. So it's like you know Doctor Strange meeting a zombie Doctor Strange, or uh, you know uh, the all the different versions of uh, like the Spider Man in you know Far from uh, Far from Home. You know, it's perfect. Yeah, you get, you know, you have good Doctor Strange and evil Doctor Strange and good Wanda and evil Wanda. And, you know, there is sort of this, because of the, the Rorschach test, you know, the way it works is this mirror image um, that kind of translates nicely into the narrative of the movie itself. So we felt like all those pieces uh, fit together really well for the sequence. It was madness. It was madness. That was the key word. It was multiversal even. Yeah, some might say. <laughs> Multi-madness. How about that? <laughs> A, a multiverse of madness, I think. I was really hoping because it's, you know, a Sam Raimi thing, even though he's no longer with us, the late, great macho man Randy Savage, it could have been the macho madness verse or multiverse of macho madness. Why not? <laughs> mm. Oh, the bone, bone saws macho man multiverse of madness. <laughs> yeah, now we're getting... <laughs> Just br- it's nothing but free Slim Jims when you enter the theater. Mm-hmm. And gigantic foam cowboy hats and sunglasses. The only perfect it, viewing for that. I don't know why they didn't call it sooner. <laughs> would have set that shit right. Well, when this all came about, was it something that you guys pitched to the studio to be part of this, or were you asked to participate in the stuff that you wound up doing? How did it come about? 
that gets tricky. That was a, yeah. a little bit of A, a little bit of B. Oh, so you're um, both okay, right? You were in correspondence and you know with each other and kept up on things and when's this happening and what can we do and here's what we can offer you to do or I don't know. Yeah, so there was you know there was a pitch process for it, but we had also already been working on a bunch of other stuff in the movie itself uh, before titles were even a conversation. So we did a lot of the UI in the you know Illuminati chambers. Um, like security footage and medical screens and all that stuff. And then uh, when, you know, title sequence stuff came by, uh, they came to us and said, hey, we really need your help on this. And, and when, you know, dove in. Oh, go ahead. Oh, so then, we, you know, they they asked for our help. And, of course, we're always eager to help those guys. So we dove right in. How much time would you say that it took to do to do all this work over what period of time? minutes <laughs> that's a good rent that's a really really souped up computer for the rendering then yeah yeah that's only a slight exaggeration you know jeremy kind of hinted at it that we did this one in record mm-hmm. time i think this one um for reasons out of our control was done in about three weeks or just under i think it was on. just under three weeks yeah, yeah it was it was pretty quick and what you know what also gets me in regards to this movie is the fact that you know there's so much like you there's so many big deal secrets that you know working on the movie doing the credits and whatnot and you're seeing the credit names and you have to keep it a secret obviously because of NDAs and whatnot but just that element of I know this before the rest of the world and I really want to you know scream it from a rooftop and I can't now <laughs> but like just it, uh, it never gets old the Krasinski one alone because like that was what everyone was expecting and then when it happened they're just like oh my god it's Jim Halpert and I I loved that I think three minutes later they kill him and that just made me (laughs) that made me so thrilled not because I have anything against him but just the fact that the internet's been clamoring for him to be Mm -hmm. uh, A for him to be Mr. Fantastic but for Mr. Fantastic to show up at all yeah and they're like alright we'll give you that and then they immediately rip it away Uh, I, I thought it was just such a fun move I've been privately saying that for like the past few months I'm just like yeah, good. They finally killed him. You got it. You're good. You're good. You can enjoy your movie now for the next one. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Are you guys the ones who started the rumor about Tom Cruise being in it as well? Man, about him showing up as like. Uh, I heard that rumor. Man. Me and a buddy. I heard that rumor. I heard the rumor of uh, Chris Evans uh, as the Human Torch. Me and a buddy were talking about recent. We were recently talking about the uh, the whole issue of like. Everyone, like, the ones that are going on about the movie, I'm disappointed with the movie. Yeah, because the movie in your head is better than probably what you wanted to see. So, I, yeah, you know. Yeah, that's the problem with most of these movies is, you know, they announce a movie, and even before COVID, right? When did they announce this? Three years ago? Four years ago, maybe? You know, if people had four years to build this perfect movie in their head, and of course the movie's not going to look like what you thought it would look like. It is hilarious, though. Everyone was building up in their heads uh, what Far From Home would be. And that was the one time it did truly deliver. I was like, oh, wow, they actually they, they had them all. Holy crap. Yeah. Although they should that have put was, in Nicholas uh, Hammond. Yeah, quite the boon that they got all three of them. I didn't expect that to happen. But it kind of has to happen, right? Yeah. If you're going to bring in the bad guys, I wish they wouldn't even show the bad guys. I mean, I guess Alfred Molina kind of... I didn't see Rhino. I didn't see Rhino. I didn't see Rhino. That's true. The one well, everyone was hoping for. You flew out to see that way in advance, right? You had to hold that secret for a very long time. Yeah, we saw that uh, 
I think right after they finished shooting it, we got to see an early early cut of that. Um, yeah, now it's only like, okay, I can't talk about this one for the next two years or whatever it was. Yeah. <laughs> Well, what got I me think, also was the, there. The next was, movie, the next movie is going to be Doug in like a, in like a in like a room. It's like torture. Someone's going to come in and start cutting his fingers off to find out what the next. Uh, <laughs> what the next movie? What, what the next movie? Who's going to be in the next one? The movie Tell is not now. The movie is not Saw. It's called <laughs> I Saw, as in I saw the movie before everyone else did. <laughs> yeah. And it's also funny too because in regards to you know the rumor and innuendo of the movie before it came out with the uh, the Tom Holland and you know alongside uh, Andrew uh, Garfield and Tobey Maguire that element also of hey here's uh, here's like some uh, a picture that you know leaked online and then somebody goes oh no that's not real the web bloodline and like somebody dissected it and made it into like mm-hmm. you can just fake it with this this and this and it's like oh but it is real though yeah it is but I just wanted to show you that you could fake it oh. Yeah, it's so it, yeah. technology is so weird with that. Yeah, that was. I mean, I thought my my first response, like, oh, I feel so bad for the person whose computer that came from. Hmm. Because I think the first leak looked like someone. I think it was a trailer, right? The trailer leaked, and it looked like someone took a video from a monitor or something. Hmm. I was like, oh god, that's gonna really suck for whoever that was. No one here is ever encouraging people to visit the Marvel Studios uh, spoilers subreddit. Just an FYI, no one whatsoever. <laughs> <laughs> I I love visiting that subreddit and seeing what people are like. Oh, this trailer clearly means this is going to happen. And I'm like, no, it's not. <laughs> but it's fun to see how close people get just watching a trailer and like piecing things together. Well, it reminds me recently I was listening to a podcast where they were talking about, you know, old Starlog magazines from like 1978 and they're talking about the Empire Strikes Back and like they go, "We believe based on these pictures that uh 20th Century Fox sent us that this 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 and this are going to happen based on the, looking at these pictures." And someone from Lucasfilm goes, "Just a heads up, you got about 5 of the 8 rumors correct." <laughs> so it was like that's interesting. We're not going to tell you which ones, obviously, but mm-hmm. just a heads up. I mean, that's even surprising to hear that Lucasfilm would chime in at all. Yeah, and it's again just the idea of all of these. Like that was the the community was so much smaller back then too. When right. you, you really think about it, it's like oh well, you know, you could. I remember when I was a kid, I wrote to George Lucas and I got a letter back saying, "Sorry, Mr. Lucas is currently working on Episode One." And it's like, oh, this is a snapshot, but like easily available yeah. to get these people, even in the nineties. Yeah, that's really cool. That they uh, was episode one even announced at that point. Uh, it was ninety four when George started working on the uh, script, and then ninety seven after the um, the special editions dropped, he was working on it, and then ninety eight was all post production. Wow. Did you say you wrote a letter? Yeah, I wrote a, I wrote a letter with this idea as a kid, and it was a uh, very toyetic idea. It was a, a, what's it called, a TIE fighter where it turned into an escape pod. And I remember I told my friend this idea, and he goes, that was the stupidest thing I've ever heard. I go, Paul, I was eight. <laughs> <laughs> Did you? Maybe you should explain to the younger listeners what a letter is. So, <laughs> <laughs> it's a piece of paper made from a tree. When you spell your name with letters. Mm-hmm. Like with your hands, you have to write it. Well, sometimes, sometimes you can yeah. you, know, you you can use a pen, you can use a quill. Calligraphy is pretty great. Maybe a box of cereal it's called it. alphabets. I don't know. You glue them to that. Yes, <laughs> that's art. See the lost art. Oh man, I could Eddie. I could see you doing an arts and crafts project with a box of alphabet cereal. 
I've done stuff while I've had breakfast with that cereal. Are you kidding me? <laughs> I'm a lot older than you. Guys, uh, with respect to the end of the movie, where it says Doctor Strange will return, what's the prospects for the next one being having you guys in there? Maybe starting with, I don't know, the movie opens up from the perspective of the forehead eye of Doctor Strange. I don't know. Uh, I would love to... Uh... We're gonna. I, we know. I can tell you very truthfully. We know nothing about the next one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. As far as being in it, I'd love to have a cameo in the movie. That'd be great. I'd love a cameo. I put myself in a few of the title sequences. Yeah. We were all in uh, Winter Soldier. We all put ourselves in there. It's true. So, there you go. A little little Easter egg. Yeah. Uh, find that one. Yeah. yeah we're in in Winter Soldier. There's a picture of uh, everyone from the office is in there during the the Zola Hydra sequence. And in uh, what is it, in the homecoming title sequence, I'm one of the robbers in the car. There you go. There you go. Mm-hmm. All with permission. Yes, all with none of it is <laughs> being super sneaky. All of it's like, hey, we have this photo. We need 15 people. And we're like, hey, we know 15 people. <laughs> <laughs> well, you three are one-fifth of them right there. There you go. Well, with respect to the end of the movie then, uh, when we do get to see Clea and the dimension that she's opened up, reality to did any of you guys get the sense that it looked or reminded you of the character of eternity uh yeah that i that idea that you sort of have this spacey kind of look just floating in space very much felt like uh felt like eternity and i feel like they've been playing around that world for a while now so we may have gotten a little um a little tease a little taste of what that wound up coming out to be in in thor love and thunder yeah. yeah, because I really didn't I mean, think we that saw, we yeah. saw eternity in, in Peter Quill's eyes in Guardians too. Well, yeah, that's exactly that? right. Sure, I hadn't thought of it at the moment, but uh, I just thought of space somewhere. It's yeah, and I didn't think of it being as the uh, the realm of Dormammu. Mm-hmm. Wait, I'm trying to remember back. I feel like when I think about it, I feel like it looks similar to the realm of Dormammu, but. Maybe I'm uh, off on that. This show is brought to you by our Patreon. Go to patreon.com slash themarvelists. And on the $3 tier, you'll get access to episodes early and ad-free. The $5 tier gets you our two bonus shows. One, Fantastic Voyage, where we dissect and just talk about the 102 issues, one by one, although if it's a storyline more than one at a time, of Stan Lee and Jack Kirby's amazing, incredible, spectacular, invincible, and fantastic run of the Fantastic Four, the world's greatest comic magazine. And two, you haven't read that? A show dedicated to the comic books that I haven't read yet. Some Marvel, some DC, all fun. And on the $8 tier, Pick a topic of your choosing, not a topping of your choice. Or perhaps you can be a guest on The Marvelists. Above all else, we thank you for your continued support. So now in regards to the television uh, work with Marvel, with the end credits, you mentioned about the whole you know time frame of working on the movies. In comparison, what is it like with the TV series? Like, What is the turnaround time for the production of end credits for those? Yeah, it's actually pretty similar. I think um, you know, Doctor Strange was a was an edge case on how little time we had, but for the most part, it's about the same time. The big difference with the television stuff is that we usually have these rolling deliveries where 
episode one is due you know, on one date, and then episode two is due a week later, and three is due a few days after that, and a few days after that. Um, so we have these rolling deliveries, and what we've been doing with all the ones that we've worked on, which I think is every single Disney Plus series to date, um, is that we always change something in an episode just to make it unique from the episode before it. Um, so it's not just like replacing names, but in, for instance, Loki, we replaced the, all the pictures that were on the desk. So every episode, we'd add one of the new variants would be in the, on the photos on the desk. Or in WandaVision, we changed what footage would be in the beginning of the title sequence for every episode. And so uh, that timeline gets a little tight, but you know, we know beforehand that, hey, episodes two, three, and four are going to have this deadline so let's start working on that stuff. But the bulk of the work, we the... got to put in uh, the Kingpin silhouette. Oh yeah. Later episodes. Mm-hmm. Hawkeye Moon Knight. Moon Knight was, was different too. Right? Yeah, Moon Knight. Uh, Moon Knight. We changed the moon phase for every episode, and uh, we also changed the city in the beginning. So what? wherever the, that episode took place, that would be sort of the city in the beginning, and then the moon phase. We changed it to the last episode of the full moon. Yeah, and here's a shameful plug. Uh, go to experienceperception.com right now to see all that information and more in our case studies. They're all updated, and uh, a lot of the new work is up there. So, again, experienceperception.com, experienceperception.com. <laughs> hey, uh, what, what, uh, what website? It's a dot what? Experienceperception.com. There we go. So now we're working on getting the .edu and the .gov, but right now, what about about .net? It's the future of 1998. It's true. Now, in regards to you know, you mentioned again, I want to bring it back over to the uh, you know the suspense of these you know potential spoilers and stuff. How wild was it for you guys when you just are you know told, hey, you should uh, you know put something in with Wilson Fisk because that was the one where everyone was hoping everyone's favorite. uh, Hawaiian shirt enthusiast Wilson Fisk would be showing up, especially as being portrayed by Vincent D'Onofrio. Yeah, that one was fun because I remember being on calls with them talking about, you know, what we're going to do for each episode, and we get, I think that's episode five, and we get to that one, even on the call, they're like, oh, you know what? We don't we don't want to tell you, let's just send you the episodes, you can watch it. And, like, they were very much like, we don't want to spoil this call awesome like surprise the surprise Or something like that. You guys want to know who the big bad is in this one? Something. Yeah, they were like they kept teasing it, and they're like, "No, we'll send you the yeah. episode." And I think we we're all like, "Okay, don't tell us. We'll just watch it." They, they just kept putting emphasis on the word "big," and like Wilson's just like, "No, that's that's insensitive." Yeah, right. <laughs> mm-hmm. No, that one that one was really cool because that you know opens up the doors. I think for when we see all these cameos, like, "Oh, cool, they're bringing this person and that person in," to then have Wilson Wilson Fisk also be Vincent D'Onofrio, not just Wilson Fisk. It's like, oh, so what does this mean for the Netflix stuff? We're we getting Charlie Cox back? We're we getting all these other people back? Uh, so I think it opens up the doors for a lot of possibilities, which is very exciting. So when Wilson Fisk made his return as Vincent D'Onofrio, which expletive did you yell? I yelled the F word. <laughs> yeah, I think I used a few of those. Hmm. Um, I think there was also just a loud sound that's sort of indescribable. I've made that one, yes. <laughs> yeah. It's it's uh, funny. That, be- that was really cool. It's funny because like again, it's the one we were all like hoping like, no, it's not gonna. Ha- oh my god, it did. You know, it's it's perfect. Yeah. Now, also in regards to you know just the uh, the element of 
keeping things, you know, a spoiler for yourselves. What was like other than D'Onofrio and other than uh, the Krasinski? What was one of the big spoilers for yourselves that you had seen in the uh, recent stuff that you're like, oh wow, I did not see that coming. Um, well, I guess I can't speak for everyone, but for myself, Spider-Man: Homecoming, the the Vulture turn. That that was a moment where we're watching this and like I looked around at everyone like, Oh my god You know, like I can't believe this happened. Um, that too is the biggest spoiler that was good. was something I was like, Oh, when you guys see this movie, when you see this I lo- I, I would lo- say for me, uh, knowing who was gonna who wasn't gonna make it in Endgame we we knew that for quite a while. Mm. Oh yeah. And uh that was that was that was a lot to, uh, to to live with for for several months. So, how many of you blamed Star Lord, by the way? Because this this oh, 100%. is hundred percent. How dare you? <laughs> <laughs> hashtag. They almost had it. He ruined it. Hashtag Star Lord did yeah. nothing wrong. <laughs> but what's what's really funny though is in regards to the element of changing things in the end credits. The one with the biggest one for me of changing the end credits has been Ms. Marvel. And I love like when they change it just right out the gate in, I believe, episode four or episode three. Just that massive change, that 180 of like, hey, we're no longer in Jersey City. It's like, Marachi. Oh, yeah, that was so cool to see. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that one, uh, that one was a lot of fun because we had the challenge of finding footage of Karachi that felt similar to what we were doing in Jersey City. So we wanted to still have a shot of a train or have a shot of a, bu- a building with this composition um, so that we could use the similar, um, you know, the similar kind of graffiti and artwork on there to really show, like, this is, you know, Kamala is bringing her Jersey City to Karachi. Uh, so if you, if you watch them kind of back-to-back, the edit's not exactly the same, but there are shots that you can go, oh, that train shot, that's similar to this train shot, or that building similar to that building. And uh, the, so it was, a, it was a fun challenge doing that. And the thing is, with uh, the Jersey City shots, it shows the hipness of what Jersey City is, and you guys also reflected that in the scenes involving Karachi. You made it feel like a hip, vibrant place, and I appreciated that, you know, the continuation of what that was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, I mean, the Jersey thing, our offices now are in, in Jersey, and uh, the artists working on that, um, Vivian, she lives in Jersey City. So when we were shooting that stuff, it was really Vivian waking up early in the morning and walking down the street and going, "All right, that's a cool thing. That's a cool thing. That's a cool thing." And like you know, taking pictures for everyone and then bringing our shot list together. Uh, so I, I think we owe a lot of how cool Jersey City looks at that to to Vivian and everything she brought to it. Vivian is uh, Perception's Miss Marvel. There you go. <laughs> that's right. I see what you did there. That's very cool. Okay. You like that? Right. Experienceperception.com. <laughs> it was, uh, if you like this like one, a, go over here perfect, and check. Sorry, Jeremy. It was like a perfect uh, a synchronicity of, of all these things lining up, having uh, having the designer living there and and, uh, and just being able to really scope it all out and, and compose these great, great shots. But one thing that I think really is, uh, is a driving force in that title sequence is the music. I think the music is incredible. Well, on our uh, episode, talking about episode five of Ms. Marvel, on the Marvelists Ms. Marvel, the uh, our co-host on there, Ryan, had mentioned the comment of, even in the music that's being played, the lyrics have something to do with, mm-hmm. you know, the story. 
And it's it's that little level of extra work you have to do to enjoy and get the Easter eggs. I love that about that. Yeah. I think, though, yeah. uh, speaking of a driving force, that by the time the series of Ms. Marvel wraps up, maybe she'll get her license. Maybe. Yeah. We'll see. It's funny because Vivian doesn't have a license either. I think no. she's trying to get it. <laughs> oh, wow. She's got a little more personal element in there. But that's bringing real-world experience, I guess, or environment into this. Yeah. And that's what I and mentioned. You, know where you can find more Easter eggs. <laughs> oh, yeah. That, that site you talked about, the com thing, yeah. Yep. Just making sure. <laughs> Just making sure.com. Wait, I didn't know. What was it? Dingling. That's E X But how do you spell com? Yeah. C O M M. Sir. Short for communication, Dag Nebit. That's fair. Oh, not Siri. Not you, Siri. <laughs> Uh, technology is amazing. Anyway. Other stuff that you guys may be able to uh, divulge a little bit to us or sworn to secrecy? Hmm. Uh, well, I mean, we've already announced that we worked on Thor Love and Thunder. Yes. Right? So that's, uh, I don't know when this episode will come out, but that movie is already out. Mm-hmm. Um, so we did the we did titles for Thor Love and Thunder as well as a few other other shots in there. Um, I don't know if there's anything else we can announce Marvel-related. Mm. Well, in regards, did you guys do the uh, the end credits for uh, Thor Ragnarok? We did, yes. yes. Yeah. Now, now, I haven't seen Thor Ragnarok. It's in on co- our website, experienceperception.com. <laughs> <laughs> wow, someone else. There we go. <laughs> now, I haven't seen Ragnarok in a while. Are the title sequences kind of similar, or it just went with a completely oh. different thing? Because I, I love that the motif of uh, Love and Thunder was like a 1980s kind of metal thing, especially when you watch the movie. Spoilers, it's almost entirely Appetite for, of, uh, for Destruction, minus one song, November Rain, off of Use Your Illusion 1. Mm. Yeah, it's um, when we were thinking about the, the sequence, I think we, we noticed that Thor, Love and Thunder is more like... 80s metal, whereas Ragnarok is like 80s synth pop. 100. percent And mm-hmm. so that's kind of the the vibe we tried to bring to each one of them. And you guys, you guys banged it out of the park. So good job. Thank you. Pour some sugar on me. <laughs> Eddie, who is Eddie. that? Def Leppard. There we go. You had to ask me, Mister. Well, Use your illusion one. No, I just wanted to keep you, you on your toes. Guns and Roses Eddie. fanatic. You better believe it. Chinese Democracy is an underrated album. Damn it! You know what? All you need is more than two, let's say, songs in a soundtrack from the same artist, and it's like, oh, they did all the music. Well, for what it was, mm. they probably fifty percent of that in love, in love and thunder. Yeah. As I jokingly, as I'm going to jokingly say in our review of uh, Thor: Love and Thunder, after we record this episode. If you want to get the soundtrack to Thor: Love and Thunder, be sure to track it down. It's called Guns and Roses Greatest Hits. But you know, when when we saw the movie, I wasn't sure that that was going to stay in there. I was like, "Oh, there's no way they're getting Guns and Roses for this whole movie." Well, the one thing about it that got me, like maybe you know, they did like a licensing deal. One of the kids in New Asgard has an Appetite for Destruction poster hanging on his wall. Mm-hmm. So I was like, "No, uh, not yeah, so." No, so one of the kids uh, goes by the name Axel, I think. Yes, so it was clearly like built into the into the script, but I. I thought, never will they be able to get this many Guns N' Roses songs. No, no, exactly. My whole thing was, you know, you saw or heard Sweet Child of Mine throughout the trailers that I recall, but then when you see Thor, Love, and Thunder, it's a different Guns N' Roses. So in my mind, I said, oh, 
Okay, you, so this one is in here. You, and say, then I, you say trailers. Did they use it in the second one, or am I misremembering? Because I know they used no. it in the first. I, I think, I I only think the one. second one had like an epic version of it. Mm. Of the same song. So then, yeah, yeah, so hearing a different one, I said, oh, so here's another Guns N' Roses in there. And then the third one comes, I'm like, well, wait, what's going on? I can't wait for the actual Rose action figure. <laughs> <laughs> what color bandana do you think it'll come with? Blue. I got to go with red, you know? And, like, maybe it can come with, like, the big hair from the uh, Welcome to the Jungle video. I mean, maybe it comes with both. You can change them. I mean, that, true. all that hair, you know, the hairspray that, uh, that actually used, that's why we have uh, the problem with the ozone layer. That's a you leftover. Know where you can buy the Axel Rose action figure. <laughs> you cannot. Experienceperception.com. <laughs> wow, whole merch chat campaign at that site. Gosh darn it! You know, when you said bandana at first, I immediately thought of uh, attaching it to the microphone, but that's more of an Aerosmith thing, Steven Tyler. True. That man loves accessories. <laughs> you know. Now, in regards to also just different things involving the Marvel universe. Uh, Danny and Jeremy, we you know we've had you both on the show. However, the third man on this program, we have not before. I have not. So first time, long time. We want to know your comic book origin story in regards to the realm of Marvel and just comics in general. Like what got you in for all oh, of this? Oh, here we go. Mm-hmm. Oh, sure. <laughs> Guys. Um, my Spider-Man was my was my in to to comics and. It, it wasn't even the comics at first. It was the Spider-Man animated series. Hell yeah. Uh, is what first got me into it on, uh, on Fox. Not to plug Fox or anything, but it was that Spider-Man animated series. And from there... Is that Spider-Man and Friends? Or was that... Oh, no, you're, no, too, you're too young for Spider-Man. That was Spider-Man and Amazing Friends. was from like the late 70s, early 80s. Right, I forgot. You're only... With... Uh, Firestar and Iceman? Firestorm and Iceman. Firestorm, yeah. Um, no, Firestar, yeah. right the first time. Firestorm, <laughs> DC, you know, two guys, one body. There you go. There you go. Uh, yeah, so it was the Spider-Man animated series, and then it would be like any time I went to the grocery store with my mom, they had a little rack of comic books, and I'd try and, like, at that point, I wasn't even aware that it was one continuing story. Like, oh, a Spider-Man comic, I'll read that, and it's like, in the middle of the story, and I have no idea what's going on, but it was a Spider-Man comic. Well, it's funnier because during that time, what was going on at the time, the Clone Saga, so it's like, oh, cool, what a great time for a child to jump onto Spider-Man by being confused. Yeah, right? I have no idea what's happening. Who's this Ben Riley guy? Uh, I know none of this. Uh, and then it wasn't really until, uh, I think, it wasn't really until college where I started going, like, every Wednesday to get comic books. Um, and that's when I really got into, like, the, you know, comic book days and going with uh with my buddy down to at first it was newberry comics in boston um going there to pick up our wednesday comics uh yeah now it's kind of you know started the whole the whole thing and it's funny by the way you mentioned spider-man the animated series and eddie had briefly mentioned steven tyler if you all remember at home playing the uh spider-man trivia game (laughs) <laughs> Joe Perry is the one that did the uh, Spider-Man theme song with the radioactive, that one, so. Yeah, and obviously I had no idea at the time, then you find that out, you're like, really? He did that? All right. And I think that was why when uh, they did the uh, 2002 Sam Raimi one featuring the hit single Hero by Chad Kroger of Nickelback, it also had a Spider-Man theme song cover by Aerosmith. It did, yep, with Steven singing it. Mm-hmm. There you go. Yeah, and I, you know, I love those those movies. I think the uh, the Sam Raimi Spider-Man movies are still still some of my my favorites. But 
yeah, it was Spider-Man's what got me into it, and then, you know, I was reading the Avengers comics. I never got into the X-Men. I know a lot of people find that kind of blasphemous, but I was a I was a Spider-Man and Avengers guy. Now, what I was, was, I was X-Men and Alpha Flight, so Doug and I are going to go at it after this. Yeah. <laughs> Alpha Flight, oh Canada. <laughs> yep. Don't mess with Puck. Yeah, he's a big Puck fan over here. Now, what was your first Marvel project when you joined Perception? Uh, so I think I joined just after you guys finished Iron Man 2. Yep. And I remember in the, in the interview, they're like, hey, you want to see the one that we just did? <laughs> I was like, yeah, what's this? This <laughs> Iron Man 2 is like, oh, I have to work here now. Uh, but the first project I think may have been uh, that one shot we did on Avengers. The smart we had the glass. Yeah, yeah we had a a smart glass. It was cut from the movie and put yeah. on the DVD extras, but it was Steve Rogers walking around, passing in front of I think an Audi dealership that like Acura. Acura. Acura had a, like Fifth Avenue was like in a glass like like Tiffany's. Yeah, had a holographic display, and there was I think that was one of the first things that. I didn't even do a lot on it. I think it was just kind of a little bit of work, and then we did some development for the Security Council and how they were lit, mm-hmm. and, like did some stuff on that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so the first thing Doug worked on got cut. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think that was the first the first uh, Marvel some thing. Quinjet cockpit stuff, right, Doug? Did you work on that? Uh, I didn't work on that stuff. But, yeah, that was part of it, too. We did, like, one shot on a Quinjet cockpit. They were tracking uh, the, the scepter, right? Local yeah, scepter. it's the shot that flips upside down yeah. from the scepter to the uh, cockpit. Yeah. Yep. And then it was all uphill from there. Yeah, it, then I think the next one was like Age of Ultron or something. Oh, man, don't get me started, Doug, with that one. <laughs> no, it was, was, uh, was Winter Soldier first? I think it was Winter Soldier. Winter yeah. Soldier, I think, came first. Yeah. yeah, the first big thing was Winter Soldier, the uh, Zola. Uh, I did the Zola. I did the final design and animation on Zola. We did a lot for the car. We did um, the sequence that you're just talking about. Yeah, the Hydra sequence. Hydra sequence. Yeah. How many designs for Zola did you do, Doug? About 135. Uh, so we did. Uh, I was going to say that. Our first pitch was. Like, first tell them where you can find all the designs, Doug. <laughs> yeah, you can find them at experienceperception.com. You can find all the designs. All of them. Uh, the first pitch we did was 26 Zolas, uh, and that was purely on us. No one asked for 26, but I think I think it was like a little slow for a day or two. So we just had everyone throw in a Zola design, and we were probably at like 18 or 19 different designs. We're like, you know, guys, we're naming these ABC. There you go. We could do Arnim Zola from A to Z. A to Z. That's we right. got to go 26, and then we did 26 of them, and, you know, that ended up spiraling because, like, oh, we like this one, we like this one, and, yeah, there's, there's a few of those. I mean, that's that just somewhat coincidence, too, because when you said 26, I thought, hey, why not? Every letter of the alphabet in Arnhem, A, Zola, Z, boom. It's like, hello. That and what a bunch of Red Bulls will get you. <laughs> As a man with a caffeine dependency, I can I can agree with that 100%. A lot of awake time and multiple trips to the bathroom, I guess. Now, yeah. in regards to just the overall, you know, the mythos of characters and whatnot, what is the character that you want to work on the most? Oh, if it, like, doesn't matter who owns it or anything? Yeah. Um, 
I think, I don't know if it's going to be a silly answer, I think Squirrel Girl would be a really fun, I don't know what we would do for Squirrel Girl. You'd um, go nuts. Certainly a title <laughs> sequence, but I just think she's such a fun character that would be very different from everything else that they've done. And I find that very exciting, that there could be, you know, something that would stand out from everything else that they've done so far. And it's funny, too, because I believe Squirrel Girl got adapted into a live-action uh, personification. It was like a it was a pilot for a show that never got to come out, actually. Yeah, on, like, Freeform or something, right? Yeah. On, like, Weird it, Network. And it was it was the lady who plays the uh, AT&T uh, mobile uh, spokeswoman. Yeah. So, and she's perfect for it, too. So it's like, that would have been great. Why didn't she yeah, do it? Yeah, there's also, I think people are talking about uh, Barb from the first season of Stranger Things would be a good squirrel girl as well. I could I could see her as that as well. <laughs> She's yeah. got contractual obligations. Uh, Jeremy, same question. Um, so I, I'll preface this by saying I don't know anything in the works on this. I don't know anything more than anyone else in the world about this. But I would love to work on uh, the introduction of Wolverine uh, via the Hulk, which is how he came into the comic world, as mm. you guys, I'm sure, know. Yep, yep. Um, and that also takes us full circle to the first project that we ever did for a Marvel production, which was Hulk versus Wolverine, the animated feature. Mm. Um, so what better way than that to bring the real or the next Wolverine live action into the MCU? And so then that, that could... That would be amazing. Again, I don't know anything... No, that's great. It's all about that, but I'm hopeful that uh, that they honor that uh, that kind of uh, legend. I actually don't know if we've asked this, but who would your who would your dream casting for Wolvie be if it wasn't oh, Hugh Jackman? Danny. That's his character. Dan. Uh, who would you pick? Who would your to... dream casting of Wolverine be after Jackman? Oh, my dream casting of Wolverine. I mean, it already happened. It's Hugh Jackman. <laughs> <laughs> I actually got to work out with Hugh Jackman while he trained for Wolverine. It was something that uh, Jeremy got me for my 40th birthday. So I have a real, I had a real workout with Hugh Jackman. Phenomenal. Well, was like, our... say, like, shouldn't you be shorter and hairier? <laughs> no, nah, he was so jacked up. It didn't matter. <laughs> didn't matter. I thought maybe, um, I mean, if I had to pick a newer one, um, I'd like them to do a Wolverine closer to the comics. You know, I think Hugh Jackman's yeah, like great, yeah, yeah, but, yeah. like, Wolverine shouldn't be, you know, a tall drink of water, right? right. Wolverine's kind of I, I be, think Tom right. Hardy would be great. Yeah, I always thought Tom Hardy would be a good one. But, you know, I mean, he's... he's I heard the, the Taron Egerton rumors. Yeah, right? that's, that's been Whatever it is, they have to really, recently. they have to really, really pump him with steroids. I mean, it's got to be beyond, beyond. <laughs> the, uh, do you guys ever watch the show Letter Kenny? No. There's an actor on there, the one who uh, does the line hard no or hard pass or whatever. Somebody said for him to play Wolverine, and he would be perfect. Like, he looks just like the part, as well as the fact he's Canadian and short. There you go. Do you think they'd have a hard time casting someone who wasn't of the Hugh Jackman type to be Wolverine at this point? Like, people just wouldn't accept that as Wolverine? That's the problem, because, like, the fan castings and just the uh, yeah. the opinions, like, when... Krasinski got cast as Reed Richards. It's like, finally, we got it. We got our way. We didn't have to bully another corporation. Hashtag release the Snyder yeah. Cut. But and also Krasinski. I don't know if Krasinski's a good uh, Mr. Fantastic, right? Like, do you believe him as the smartest person in the world? I mean, he got Dwight plenty of times with the Jello trick, with a stapler. Sure, so I think he. I think he. I think he'd be uh, pretty good. But I mean, 
you know, you, you see Jack, and he's like the original. It's it's like James Bond. There's always uh, there's yeah. someone's playing him. Some are better than others. I think if the movie's great, people are going to forget. You know, they're not going to forget Hugh Jackman, but they'll have a different uh, take on a new Wolverine. Exactly, and it's my, like my uh, my my take on that is is and always has been to, to cast the total unknown mm-hmm. with no baggage yeah. and no history, and that's why Jackman was so great. Because before Wolverine, mm-hmm. I don't think anyone ever heard of him. And that's I certainly didn't. And that's and why Amon Chris Hemsworth as Thor. Um, obviously, there's exceptions. Robert Downey Jr. has has plenty of uh, films in his past, and, and he was but, but he was you stuff, know he was but, cold for a while before Iron Man popped. Yeah, up. that's true. Right? So I, I think, think it's kind of the same you, thing. When you find someone that no one's ever heard of, and they just become that character. I, I, just, it, it, I think it's it's when it's really incredibly uh, powerful. I feel like the new it's one is a great uh, example for that. The new one is Amon as Ms. Marvel. She is that character, and I can't see anybody else. Exactly. Exactly. And you see her in interviews, and she's, like, just so charming, and, like, I feel like she really embodies that character. And, you know, the funniest thing is, like, she has a letterboxed account, so, like, you can, you know, find her opinions on movies and stuff, and it's it's just weird, but she's a fan. She's a fan first and foremost, and it's cool to see that, you know, that finally happened. Well, that exactly, you know, comes through. She comes right off the page. She comes genuine. Yeah, she yeah. comes through it being a, a Captain Marvel fan right off the bat. Yeah. Yep. So of course I think you then. Find, I think uh, for for me though to go back to like a character that I'd love to see is Rey Mysterio as Puck. Oh my <laughs> God. <laughs> okay. Booyaka, booyaka, indeed. Yeah. <laughs> I I, I would Rey Mysterio might be a little too old for Puck. All right, so Rey Mysterio Jr. Although how old is Puck? <laughs> Puck is like uh, it could be. Could, who knows how old he is, right? I don't know. Ray could play Rage. I just know that Puck is a hairy guy. <laughs> Ray could play Rage from the Avengers. I think he could do it. It's it's another lucha mask. Good enough. Yeah, close enough. Or El Muerto in the upcoming uh, uh, Spider-Man spinoff movie thing. I don't know. Yeah, what's that all about? I don't know, but I I have faith in Bad Bunny, so that's all I'm gonna say. All right, I'm a Bad Bunny fan. He's good. He's so good. Yeah. And honestly, I like his music. anything he does, he invests his all into it. Like when he went and did WWE, he wrestled and actually had good matches. Hardcore wrestling fans were like, wow, he's actually really good. A celebrity that came to wrestling that doesn't suck. That's a mm-hmm. rarity. And he loved it. He performed on Saturday Night Live with the 24-7 title. You can't do that anywhere else. That's the end of that anecdote. I don't know where I'm going with this. Now you love <laughs> anecdotes and stories. Thank you. Mm-hmm. No, I think that the introduction, like you said, about bringing Wolverine in via the Hulk will also open up the door for the whole, gosh darn, Alpha Flight team. Why not? And the Kool-Aid, man, because that Easily. wall's going to break down. Yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'd like to see a solo Hulk movie. I know the, the rights for that are all kind of tied up in weird limbo yeah, with Universal, to, right? He has to get savage again. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've said yeah. it. Yeah, we've yeah, he's got to stop breaking some stuff. I would love to see... Um, you know, an interpretation of the uh, oh, I'm blanking on his name, but the the latest Hulk run from a few years ago, Immortal. Yeah, the the Immortal Hulk that was really like a horror story. Oh yeah, big time. You know, I think that would be that would be great to see that. Newsflash: been... Doug's going to be director of the new Squirrel World on Disney Plus. <laughs> you can read all about it at experienceperception.com. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just joking. That's a total joke. Okay. Except for experienceperception.com. That's real. 
you guys do realize that this episode will be titled experienceperception.com. Right. That's awesome. I love it. Do this is live right now. None of it's getting cut out. <laughs> we'll be right back. Yeah. Thanks. Time for another beverage. <laughs> so now in regards to everything in regards with uh, Marvel Studios, what is the biggest benefit with Marvel Studios, the partnership with you guys that you get to experience? Uh, I think it's the collaborations between all the different... I mean, it's always the executives there, but they bring in so many talented people with the directors and the showrunners, producers, uh, visual effects, um, soups. I mean, it's just a great, I don't know, a brain trust or just talented individuals that we get to work with on these films, and everybody's got some great perspective on how these characters should be represented. Uh, I think it's way more collaborative than people would expect for a mm -hmm. studio that size. You know, they're not, rarely do they come in and say, this is exactly what it has to be, just make it, right? They come in and, you know, say, hey, here's the idea, what do you guys think? And I don't know if it's this way with, with everyone, but certainly with us, it's, we're at a point where, you know, if there's an idea and we say, hey, actually, we think this would be a better version of it, you know, they're totally open to listening to it and building off of that and working together to come up with some of these ideas. Um, but yeah, the yeah, collaboration—it's it's, it's very, it's, it's very welcomed, like Doug said, yeah. uh, to, to get our input. And and as uh, as we as a team are so passionate about these characters that uh, we grew up with them, and we're all Marvel fanatics from from early childhood. To see them all come to life and the ever-expanding MCU, bringing more and more of these characters to the screen, streaming or or, or features. It's, um, you know, it's a, it's, a, it's a childhood dream come true. Uh, you know, this whole generation is growing up with it. It's, it's amazing uh, to see all these things just, just coming to life. Isn't it crazy to realize that there are kids who were in elementary school when the MCU started? They're going off, graduating, becoming full-blown adults now, and it's like the, the time has passed so quickly, and, like, we've already yeah. got so much. I, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm experiencing that firsthand. My son was born right when we were doing Iron Man 2 um, and now he's 12 and a half years old mm. and he he is uh, he is completely brainwashed by me uh, my mission is accomplished <laughs> he loves these films he's, he has them on loop he knows more about them at this point than I do he asks me the most obscure uh, uh, questions about these characters and these scenes and like calling back to uh, earlier movies and why did this happen and what do you think of this theory and it's uh, it's 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 awesome. Now being a parent, awesome, well, now being a parent and having the movies on loop, isn't it great that you get to watch that over and over again as opposed to Minions and uh, Sing? Yeah, so it depends well, on those two. I guess it depends but, on the uh, age. But but my dad, you know, I grew up. My dad would take me to the comic store uh, in Brooklyn, and uh, he got me collecting comics cause, mainly because he just loved the art and. Um, so it's it's really it's just a generational thing, and uh, it's 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 so rewarding and it's it's incredibly gratifying to see how, you know, now you know I grew up with it, and my son's growing up with it, and it's not going anywhere. So that talk about uh, generational. So here's a, you know, my son's uh, 17. So when I told him, you know, I grew up, I'd go to Vic's 
candy store. That's where I used to go get the comic books every Wednesday, like Doug. And I'd pick up comics, and my dad would be like, pick me up a pack of Winston, too. <laughs> and I'm like 12 years old, and they're selling me you know, Winston cigarettes. And now I tell my kids that, and they're like, number one, what are cigarettes? They're banned. They don't even make them anymore. And number two, what are these printed comic books you speak of? That's a hell of a Marvel team-up, Marvel and cigarettes. Well, you know, it's, it, you can get everything at Vic's candy store. That's what the, That was the beauty of it on the way home from school. I remember uh, when I was fair comic. I think like Joe Camel ads in like yeah. comic books. Yep. And then those eventually getting banned. Even crazier, there was like bubble gum inside the uh, you know tops uh, basketball and wrestling cards and all that stuff. It was like stale as hell, but I'd eat it anyway. That's right. That's what it's there for. <laughs> I love strip of uh, very stale gum. You drop it on the ground, it would shatter like glass. Yes. <laughs> but it always yeah. was powdered. I, yes. <laughs> yeah, very powdered. Keep it keep it from drying. I love going to uh, <laughs> conventions and uh, flea markets, and they'll have like vendors of nothing but like baseball cards and stuff, and they'll have the vintage ones with the bubble gum in there, and it's like that's toxic by now. I think. Yeah, you can't. That's gonna break your teeth. Yeah. Well, I think the same theory might apply too if you were somebody who collected all the uh, Pez dispensers in their plastic mm-hmm. wrapping with the uh, with, you know the candy, but you'd not want to. I mean, would it devalue it, the Pez itself, if you took it out of the wrapping or anything? I don't know. I think, isn't that kind of the whole thing? It's got to be. Yeah. I mean, it's in it's wrapper. Is that the packaging equivalent of mint in box? I, I don't know. And also, so. <laughs> it's also, again, you know, with the uh, pop culture food items, I don't know how many times I've seen it, but I've run into the uh, Super, or the Batman 89 cereal with the Bat Bank, mm. and it's unopened, and it's just like, oh. <laughs> oh man! Speaking of Batman, nothing got better than uh, McDonald's in the '90s had the uh, the Batman glasses that you could get. And then there were the Flintstones ones the year before; those ruled. Yeah, I had the Batman one. I I would go back and like, collect them. I think I had like three or four. I remember one had like the Riddler on it. Those were good. Those were the those were the days. And I, now you can't even get uh you can't even get like Seven Eleven Slurpee cups anymore. Yeah, everything's. Bad. I used to collect those too. I have a uncut. Uh, poster of uh, Garbage Pail Kids. Remember those? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I think a bunch of that anywhere? stuff... A bunch of that in st- my daughter's room. She took it. Really? She, t- <laughs> she loved it. <laughs> I think a bunch of that stuff goes back to when the... Uh, was it Welch's uh, jelly jars were... Uh, the Flint- Disney ones. Flintstones or Bugs Bunny or something like that, and it was an etching, a clear etching on the bottom of the uh, jar, which you could then make as a drinking glass. Oh, I don't remember that. Yeah, my aunt used to collect those. I remember uh, that was like a staple of my childhood, and they weren't even that big. You couldn't drink a lot of that milk out of there. Like, no, they weren't. Uh, it's like a thimble. Uh, like six, seven how old ounce. are you guys? I'm old enough to be his game. father, and uh, <laughs> I'm in my fi- mid-50s. I'm 33. Yay. Hooray. Yeah. Hooray. <laughs> why, why did I get a hooray for that? I'm confused. Because you had to say your age. That's why. But anyway, yeah. gentlemen, Thank you, as always, for coming back to the show and speaking with us about your involvement with Perception, which, by the way, is there a website you can visit for that? Experienceperception.com. It's uh, http colon <laughs> forward slash www. You can follow us on Instagram, Twitter. It's all. But you can go to the website. I heard yeah. we have a TikTok now. We're going to start a TikTok. There you go. You heard it here first. Breaking news. You'll see the behind the scenes of uh, Doug directing Squirrel Girl. (laughs) Gentlemen, an honor as always. Thank you so much. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Thanks for having us. 
For The Marvelists, I'm Peter Melnick. I'm Danny Gonzalez. I'm Doug Appleton. And I'm Jeremy Lasky. And I'm Eddie Wilson. Excelsior!